0: What's up, guys? Chris Henry with you on a new episode of Chargers Weekly offseason edition. We are on YouTube now in addition to audio. So wherever you listen to your podcast, if you're listening in your car, Apple, Spotify, etc. YouTube is another avenue to get Chargers Weekly. And we have a beat writers roundtable today. Daniel Popper, The Athletic, Gilbert Manzano, Southern California News Group, just Fresh off of Brandon Saley's press conference announcing his coaching staff, fellas, what's going on?
1: What's up? Chilling, uh, man. I'm Dave, glad Dave, they I called my hair today for his YouTube debut. Uh,
2: listen, I'm ready to, I, I threw I'm that on your last second takes. <laughs> I'm ready to fire off some takes. This is Great Notion Brewery out in Oregon. <laughs> Shout out.
0: We got we and got it, one fewer beat writer, so so Popper can fire off uh, uh, extended takes today
2: yeah i got plenty of them this is uh i I bought this hat it's not free so i'm getting absolutely nothing out of mentioning them on this podcast but they make a great blueberry sour okay so if you're in portland check them out and please send me free beer thank you free
0: there you go Papa's trying to get that advertisement get get one of those like instagram deals
2: i know that's what (laughs) i'm trying to
0: do hey so just let's react uh brandon staley the the first presser was ninety six minutes. This one was about forty five or so. So we we cut it in half. But uh, man, he 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 is a great listen. Um, a, a lot of insightful stuff. Pop, we'll start with you.
2: Yeah, I mean, I feel like I'm going to learn so much from him as we talk to him three times a week. Um, you know, he's just you, you can tell why the Chargers, uh, you know, were so interested in hiring him. And and the first thing they mentioned is communication skills, and that thing that that part of him comes comes across. You know, during his press conferences, um, you know, obviously, so this, the staff has been announced. A lot of this, these guys were sort of, uh, you know, reported on, uh, you know, throughout the last few weeks. So we had a general idea of where they were headed. Um, but my biggest takeaway is that they have literally taken coaches from all the best offensive staffs in football, the yeah. best offensive schemes in football, um, and. Brandon admitted as much today, like, listen, we wanted to target these guys because they worked for these great coaches that are running schemes, similar to what we want to run with Justin. We talk about Shane day working under Kyle Shanahan as his quarterbacks coach in San Francisco. That is probably the best offensive system in football. Um, just in terms of, of the schematics and how successful they are with what they do out there in that offense. Um, Kevin Kroger, the tight ends coach, am I pronouncing that correctly? Uh, he worked for Matt LaFleur. With the Packers. That was one of the most efficient offenses in football this year. Obviously, we've talked about the coordinators bringing Joe Lombardi, a guy who worked for Sean Payton um, for 15 years in New Orleans. And then Brandon Staley, obviously working very close with Sean McVay, another highly respected offensive mind. So you're talking about pulling ideas from all of these great offensive systems. And there is a lot of overlap between these systems, too. They're all cut from you know the, the Payton system is different, but between LaFleur and Green Bay and, and Shanahan in in uh, San Francisco and, and McVay with the Rams. They're all cut from the Mike Shanahan offense, yeah. which is a lot of what the Chargers were running last year. Anthony Lynn, of course, played for Mike Shanahan with the Broncos and wanted to imp- implement some of that stuff with the QB movement, the bootleg, the wide zone, the play action, all of that kind of stuff that's central to the Shanahan system. Now they're going to carry over some of that stuff that they did last year. Then they're going to pull from these other systems that are all cut from that Mike Shanahan's cloth, all three of those guys, McVay, Kyle Shanahan, and Matt LaFleur coached together under Mike Shanahan in Washington. In Washington, yeah. So you can sort of see all these dots connecting in terms of what this offense is going to look like. But they are committed to pulling these different concepts and pieces from all the best offenses, football and football, and putting together something that is very unique and, to use Brandon Staley's words, on the cutting edge, which is what you have to do to win football games in 2021.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Gil, before you go, just a a quick um, footnote to what you were mentioning in Washington. Uh, That 2012 year when they drafted RG3 and Kirk Cousins the same year, what they did offensively took the lead completely off guard with just uh, the RPOs and and, and the zone reads and and everything that they had RG3 do. Uh, And then when Kirk Cousins came in, they adapted. And and to your uh, earlier point about picking from different offenses, um, this is something where you you pick and choose in an effort to find not only the strengths of Justin, but the strengths of those around him. So it, it is exciting to see different influences coming in uh, and, and Brandon Stelly being open to, to these different ideas. Uh, Gil, what about you?
1: Yeah, Chris, I, I think that's probably the, I guess, the most exciting part. You know, it's it's kind of a little bit of unknown. You don't know how it's really going to look, but there's a lot of ingredients and blends from around the league. again. You hear the copycat league kind of thing, but, you know, usually it doesn't go go well when you try to copy something and mimic it and force it in there. So I think, you know, when training camp rolls around or preseason, if they are preseason games, it's going to be kind of exciting to see how you kind of blend this together. Because, like you mentioned, the, the, the scheme in Washington, you, you want something new, fresh, that maybe in 10 years someone's going to take over and use your scheme and try to kind of tinker with it. So I think, you know, with, with Justin Herbert being the foundation and kind of having this diverse background it's gonna be very exciting to see how how do you kind of utilize a guy who has every type of skill that you want in a quarterback and how do you kind of elevate him to that next level so for me I'm very eager to see that but it's still a little bit of unknown a lot of waiting to see I know we're trying to ask a couple questions about where players fit and this and that but you know once you know the summer rolls around you're gonna gonna see that that whole blend together and and who knows it could be a little too much it could be kind of complicated we don't know yet but it sounds like he has the right approach But with the guys that Popper mentioned from different backgrounds, from New Orleans to Green Bay to San Francisco. So I'm very eager to see how that kind of t- turns out in uh, summer.
0: Yeah, and it, I'm, I'm eager to see what the roster is going to look like because it's one thing to talk about all these things, but when we we mentioned free agency and the fact that they have nine picks in the draft, the, the roster is just going to look different, point blank, than it was in, in 2020. I, I had a chance to talk to Jeff Duncan from The Athletic last week about Joe Lombardi. and. Yeah. Just got some fascinating stuff. First of all, I'm going to plug, I'm going to plug. Yeah. This get book the book in. out. Get the book out. I am. gonna. I am. You know yeah. why I'm going to get the book out because I talked to Jeff before week five and this book had just come out and obviously just had four touchdowns, Monday night football, but there was a chapter in here dedicated to Joe Lombardi and kind of the, the system that they ran and just the complexities of it and how, Drew Brees intellectually was just able to, to retain all that information. And it just, it, it reminds me of Justin and his smarts and his ability to retain a lot of this stuff. Um, a, a couple of the things that really stood out that, that Jeff mentioned that I asked uh, uh, Brandon about today was just how he was able to win in different ways. So, so when Brees was out, the, Taysom Hill is a completely different quarterback. Um, he, he he mentioned Duncan mentioned that, that Teddy and, and Brees have some similar traits, Um, Jameis Winston, a guy that, uh, by all indications, the Saints are pretty high on and bringing back uh, all the development that he he made with with Jameis behind the scenes. So, Popper, I I think when you talk about Joe Lombardi, this is a guy who learned under Sean Payton, worked alongside Drew Brees, has seen a lot of different things. It may not have worked out the way you want it to in Detroit, um, but it it sounds as if Joe's going to be bringing some of those Saints influences to L.A.
2: Yeah, absolutely. I think the key with Joe Lombardi, and, and this is the question that really has to be asked in terms of whether he's going to have success here. Did he learn from his stint in Detroit? Because by, from everyone you talk to, you know, he was obviously coming from all of the success in New Orleans. They have an immensely complex system there because they can, because Drew Brees is capable of running that kind of offense. Joe Lombardi wanted to take what they did in, in New Orleans and bring it to Detroit. And he wanted to run it with Matt Stafford but your players are different. You know, Matt Stafford is not Drew Brees. And I'm not saying that, you know, that that they have different levels of capacity, but I mean, Drew Brees is, is, is a supercomputer. Like he's not, he's not a normal human being in terms of his ability to process information. So Joe Lombardi went there and tried to, to put this very complex system and and force it upon the players there and the coaching staff there. And it didn't work out. Now, he has talked about since then, including when we talked to him, that he has learned to be more flexible. And you have seen offensive coordinators in, this, in the past. Brian Dable is a perfect example. A guy who wanted to take this New England, Josh McDaniel system, and he wanted to force it wherever he was going. And we we're going to do this complex system. We're going to have all of these different different calls and verbiages, and we're going to memorize all of this stuff because Tom Brady was able to do it. So you guys should be able to do it. Now, for, after multiple stops, Brian Dable determined that, OK, maybe this is not the best route. And instead, let's try and do what our let's try and more form it around our players and what they do best. And let's be collaborative. And our Robert Mays at the Athletic reported a great feature about Brian Dable. And, and one thing that he has talked about in reporting out that feature is that Brian Dable went to, um, I'm forgetting his name, um, the slot receiver in Buffalo, totally spacing, Cole, Cole Beasley. Beasley. Yeah. And, um, and, asked, and Cole Beasley said, Listen, I used to run this stuff at SMU. We called it the Mustang package. And there's a specific set of plays that Brian Dable had never seen before. But he implements that group of plays into the Bills system because he's more collaborative now. So can we see the same development from Joe Lombardi? Can he follow in that same path and and learn from an experience where maybe he wasn't as flexible and now he can become more flexible? And I think that that Brandon Silley is creating an environment where that can happen. He's not asking Joe Lombardi to recreate the the Saints offense. He doesn't want that. He wants something new and unique. And he's bringing in all these different coaches from different systems to try and create something that's sort of this quilt of various different, uh, you know, offensive systems. Um, And so that's really the question. Has he learned and will he be more flexible? Um, And I think he will. And and going back to what you said, you know, he can implement a complex system here. Justin Herbert is capable of mastering a complex system because he has that level of intelligence.
0: Gil, you know, we talked about Joe, but uh, Popper mentioned it at the top. You, you bring in all these different influences. And, and Brandon Stanley spent a year with Sean McVay. So, so Brandon Stanley is going to want to be flexible. And I think all these coaches, uh, it seems like it's going to be a collaborative effort and an effort just to be really open-minded, put the players on the field in the best position to be successful.
1: Yeah, the same thing, that, you know, the, you know, a reoccurring theme that you hear from all the coaches and Brandon Staley is that they, they want to go to player strength. What do you do well and how can we help you kind of, you know, expand on what you do well? Uh, and, and for Lombardi, you know, he spent many years with, with the Saints and with Drew Brees, you know, he wasn't kind of, you know, earlier in his career, he was kind of pushed it down the field kind of thing. But he's more of a short passes, get the ball up real quick. Give it to Alvin Kamara. Uh, give it to Michael Thomas. Uh, but with Herbert, you know, he does have players like that. Keenan Allen and Austin, Austin Eckler. But can Joe Lombardi and Brandon it kind of, you know, expand the field because that guy is a rocket arm. We all seen the 50 yard passes from the back foot against pressure for uh, Justin Herbert. So I think we want maybe that could be with Sean McVay as well. I don't know how much you know did it with uh, with um, Jared Goff. There was a lot of bootlegs and play action stuff like that. You might see him that as well. But how do you stretch the field? How do you do Patrick Mahomes, Russell Wilson with Justin Herbert? How do you kind of attack and keep the uh, divas on, on their toes? So. I think you will see a blend of maybe Sean McVay uh, and, and what uh, the Sean Payne did with the Saints, but you got to figure out a way how to score fast, strike fast, maybe that a uh, uh, Bruce Aarons kind of type of thing because, you know, Herb was so good at that, uh, but you don't want to take away Keenan Allen. You don't want to take away maybe Hunter Henry and Austin Eckler, but you got to figure out how do you get more Tyron Johnson involved, more Jalen Guyton, how, how do you stretch the field with Mike Williams, stuff like that? So again, I'm very curious to see how do you kind of put it together? But like Popper was saying, and you as well, Chris, you know, it seems like Joe Lombardi does not want to force it. He does not want him to be Drew Brees. He can be on the mental side. But how do you kind of now, you know, work to the strength of, of that rocket arm? How do you stretch the field? Maybe with Joe Lombardi working with a guy like Jameis Winston, who likes to stretch the field and take chances. But, you know, keep the ball security at the same time for Justin Herbert. Maybe that kind of pan out for uh, for that kind of transition for uh, Justin Herbert.
0: And Popper, if it ain't broke, right? I mean, Justin clearly got in a groove with what he was doing last year, too. So I don't think you're going to deviate too far off of what Justin was comfortable with and really thrived in last year.
2: Right. And there's a lot of overlap, which is what Brandon Silly was re- like alluding to today. They were running a lot of the same stuff. Like, like all of these Shanahan-inspired systems, like they're all based on the same s- set of principles. Like it's a lot of wide zone, it's bootlegs, it's play action. And then you build it from that skeleton. So if the skeletons are the same, then you can carry over a lot of the concepts. Um, they might call them different things, which is what Brandon was, was getting into today. Like, you know, we call it this, they call it that, here's what we're going to call it. But it's all the same thing. It's synonyms for the same concept. And so you're going to see a lot of the same stuff. There's, I mean, and it's like what you said before, if it ain't broke, don't fix it. But the question is, can you get it to another level, right? Yeah. Like all this stuff worked, but were they calling it enough? Were they calling it in key spots, right? Like... On third and one, were they putting the ball in Justin Herbert's hands? Like all those kinds of things. So it's not just what the plays are. It's when you call them and it's how you use your different players over the course of a game. Um, And so that's why, you know, Joe Lombardi is going to have such an impact here because he's going to be calling these plays. But philosophically, you know, that the the philosophical approach has such an impact on the scheme. You know, how are you calling plays and and how are you going about it? Um, But absolutely, there's going to be similarities to what they did last year. But I think the philosophy is going to be a little bit different. They're going to trust Justin Herbert a little bit more to make plays in key situations.
0: Gil, I go back to last year, winning four straight to, to end 2020, but, but doing it in the division, something they did, they did just did not do. I think they were 0-9 before winning those last three games. It's going to be so important to build this roster with those draft picks, with those uh, free agents that do come in here to win against the Chiefs, the Raiders, in the Broncos, um, and the fact that you you have a couple guys from Denver with Denver ties, whether it be Staley or Hill, Hill, um, having that familiarity um, is it Frank Smith who, who's coming in from from right. Las Vegas. Uh, I think having guys who are familiar inside the division can only help this team kind of get over the hump there.
1: Yeah, that's that's a good point, Chris. And it feels like a long time ago that when they were zero nine in the division. So that kind of shows you when you win, that you kind of forget about it. You move yeah. on real quick, and it's gonna. Kind of- I didn't forget. I did not forget. <laughs> I know <laughs> for you for the record, forget, Popper. It was a <laughs> brutal stretch, but like you mentioned, Chris, they do have some influence from the AFC West. And when you're facing Patrick Mahomes twice a year in that Chief offense, I know they didn't do too well in the Super Bowl, but they're gonna be the same, you know, headache nightmare in 2021. So you got to figure them out in that type of way. Uh, so I, I, I think that's why Brandon Staley was a hire and you know, why he brought he was brought into coach of charge because you do have a lot of pieces on defense to kind of keep up with the, the Chiefs. I mean, we'll see how the Raiders do. They were kind of a good offense a year ago and the Broncos are always kind of pesky as well. Uh, but how can Brandon Staley kind of take this roster? The guys he has now, I, I think it's gonna be a lot of good pieces they are gonna come back for next year and kind of elevate them. Uh, but also like kind of looking forward ahead, uh, Chris, to the draft. How do you kind of make, make this core group a little better, especially on defense to kind of keep up or do you, and also on offense, if you're going to score points with the Chiefs, you got to protect Justin Herbert. And I know that's what we're going to go transition into. Uh, but you got yeah. you got to fix offensive line. You got to really focus on that because you have a lot of pieces on defense, and you might want to help build on secondary, get some cornerbacks there, uh, get a little younger. But I know we're going to go heavy on the offensive line, so we could go and, uh, and talk about it.
2: Wait, let me t- add one more thing. Wait, t- let me it add, up. Go ahead. Go ahead. Let me add one more thing before we get to the offensive line because I know Gil is very passionate about this topic. Me, not so much. But <laughs> Brandon Staley is inc- incredibly familiar with Vic Fangio's defensive scheme, right? Like, knows it inside and out. Mm-hmm. So now that's, I mean, frankly, that's been their biggest defensive, like op- their offense versus another defense. Like, that's the toughest D they face in the division every year is yeah. the Broncos just because Vic Fangio schemes at such a high level. And he does these different things with the two high safeties and all that kind of stuff in the quarters. And it's just different than what you typically see. Right. But now you have a guy that knows that defense uh, probably as well as Vic Fangio, right. Yeah. That's yeah. going to be a ma- That's going to be a massive advantage in terms of game planning offensively for those Broncos games every year.
0: It's a great point, And it's, it's something that we mentioned in uh, Staley's initial presser, just the, the relationship he's going to have with Justin independent of the guys on the offensive side of the ball. Uh, listen, free agency, Popper, you have an article out of the kind of the top free agents available. What's unique about that is that number is probably only going to grow based on the cap. And right. there's going to be some surprise names that we don't even know about it as we tape this. So before free agency, or I guess before the draft is free agency. And then you talk about the nine picks that this team has uh, at number 13. Overall, you have to see what they do in free agency. But who are we talking about? This is, okay, what is this? February February 11th. It's never too early to talk about the draft. At number 13 overall, give me a, a couple of names that you have your eye on. Gil, we'll start with you.
1: If you're at 13, and uh, I think it's Rashawn Slater from Northwestern yep. is there. Yeah, the Wildcat. You got to take him. Uh, and, and I think I also saw uh, Popper had a little draft mock too. I think the guy from USC, I'm blanking on the name. Elijah Ver Elijah Tucker, Vera Tucker yeah. Got it. So maybe those two guys are there. I think you you probably have to take those guys. You might get a chance because it's a, it's a, I don't know if it's a draft quarterback heavy uh, draft, but it's a, it's a quarterback needy uh, draft. And maybe four guys might go in the top 10, maybe, maybe five. So you might get the picking of those two guys, offensive linemen. Uh, But if those guys are not available, then it's going to be interesting. What do you do after offensive line? But, but I know we're going to harp on this, but you, you gotta, gotta get offensive linemen. Uh, You don't want to reach, but if those two guys are there, uh, you gotta take them and pull the trigger. Christian Derisol, too, the, the kid from Virginia yep, that's the Tech. Other one. Yeah, that's, the, other that's one another one. There, yeah.
0: So th- 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 you're right. I think if, if quarterbacks go in the top 10, even some wide receivers, pushes some of that talent to the Chargers at 13. Popper, my, my counterpoint would be okay, let's say the, the Chargers address offensive line of free agency. We we know they have to develop guys in, in the draft, no question. But if you see a guy like Caleb Farley or, or Patrick Sertan there at, at 13. And you know Darwin's coming back, and you know the cornerback could be another position they need to identify in the draft or free agency. Is that something
2: that you're tempted by? Personally? Personally, and then just yeah, 20000 Personally, not tempted. Personally, 13 has to be an offensive lineman. Okay. and I don't, I don't care how many offensive linemen you sign in free agency either. Like, you got to start building this thing from the ground up. You, you have to draft an offensive lineman at 13, and you have to hit on him. Like, sure. it has been so long since they have drafted an offensive lineman that's actually developed into a legitimate player. So, like, that's got to happen personally, personally. Now, in terms of organizational philosophy, it is absolutely possible that Rashawn Slater and Sewell are off the board. They're not super high in Elijah Vera Tucker. Caleb, Far- Caleb Farley's there. Or Sertan or Kyle Pitts or a player like that. And, or, and the organization says, listen, we're going to go for the much more talented player as opposed to addressing need. That is absolutely possible. I mean, even in, if they like one of these edge rushers, I'm not even going to try to pronounce the names, but the kid from <laughs> Georgia. You uh, got time, man. It's way too early. Yeah, I, I said this on a podcast last week. I'm like, I don't get the pronunciations down until March 20th. Before yeah. then, I say the kid from insert school here, if it's too hard to say. The kid from Georgia. Um, and then quit, I'm going to try the Michigan guy. Quitty Pye, I think it's – I don't know if that's how you pronounce it. I'm sorry to, to him for not knowing <laughs> how to pronounce his name. But I'll get it by March 20th, I promise. But say, say they feel like they need help at outside linebacker. We just I mean, we just talked to to um, Brandon Sealy about where Joey Bose is going to fit. Uh, he basically just said that he's going to be a playmaker and that he's going to be an edge player. I think that means that he's going to be defensive end when they're in 4-3, when they're in, in in nickel, which is going to be most of the time. And then, you know, he would come in into like a three technique defensive end if they're in base, which they're never really going to be in. So it doesn't really matter. But say they feel like they need another pass rusher. You know, they got Joey Bosa. They got Cheninuosu. You know, are they going to resign Ingram? We'll see. But maybe they feel like they can bring in a young pass rusher to replace Ingram to beef up that part of the defense. Uh, a guy that fits the mold of exactly what Brandon Still is working for. I think that's absolutely a possibility. Personally, I think it has to be an offensive lineman. And And you say like. Like address the offensive line and free agency. Like they have, they have to get so much more talent at the offensive line that they can't just address it through the draft or address it through free agency. It has to be both. Yeah, they have to sign. Can. They have to sign multiple offensive linemen in free agency and they have to draft multiple offensive linemen to to get this group to a point where they're talented enough to not just play g- play well with the starters but be able to weather these injuries i mean it's year after year where they suffer these injuries and everyone's like all oh, the charges are bad because they have offensive line injuries everyone has offensive line injuries it's about do you have the depth to replace those starters and continue to play at a high level and make it to the super bowl in the cha- in the in the case of the chiefs who you know weathered the loss of mitchell schwartz you know, it's, it's about having enough depth. So personally, is my personal opinion is a lot different than what I think the Chargers could end up doing, which is, should, should not be a surprise.
0: Gil, nine picks. I talked about this last week. I want to get you guys' opinion on this. This is the best year to have nine selections because there are some guys with the way this offseason is going to be, just how it's unconventional. There's no combine pro days are going to be weird. I mean, senior bowl was a great opportunity for a lot of these teams to get in front of some of these guys in person and, and spend some time with them. But, but to have nine picks, let's say in the second round, there could be a, an offensive tackle with first round talent that you can get. Um, you know, I think it's a combination of, okay, it could be a crapshoot because we, you don't have a, a full body of work over the last 12 months, but at the same time, it's a great opportunity to maybe have some talent fall down to you, especially if you have extra picks.
1: Yeah, and especially on the offensive line, and we keep talking about it, but you're gonna have a lot of free agents on the offensive line from Sam Tevye to Lamp, to Dan Finney, to even Mike Pouncey being gone. So you're gonna need a lot of those picks and maybe free agents to kind of rebuild that. But yeah, you're right. It seems like it happens every year. Is it you go back and you kind of look at these uh, these, these, uh drafts from the years past and you see the second round, third round, like how did this guy, how did this guy fall? And, and, and not in the lap of a certain team. So. There will be some players they are going to fall, uh, but is this, a, is this finally the year that the Chargers don't neglect offensive line because they have had chances to draft offensive line in the second round, third round. And they kind of just always overlook it. Uh, the last time they did it was twenty seventeen with that with the crop of guys I just mentioned. You know, yeah. a Feeding lot of mixed up. results there. But you know, with nine picks and with Tom Telesco, who likes to build through the draft, you know doesn't you know doesn't spend too much. I mean, you know, he does occasionally on the free agency side. But and also it's it's a big. I feel like it's a bigger risk in, in free agency. You sign these veterans. You know, it doesn't pan out. They're kind of on the on the decline. You want you want to lay that foundation with these young guys. It's a, it's a young league. You're always you're always. It's a lot of turnover. So with nine picks, you could you could hit on some of these guys. It might not. It could be. You know. You know. You also you also you want to you, you want to get greedy. You you want to build for Justin Herbert. Maybe you could find him a tight end, a, a wide receiver. I know they have he has plenty of those right now. But the league changes so much. So you you gotta you, you gotta have like a minor league. You gotta have guys ready, like you guys mentioned. When injuries yep. happen, you gotta have guys ready, develop, and to be a playmaker. Uh, and, and on defense as well, you know, it, it, you need some help on the defensive line. You have Joey Bosa, but maybe Melvin Ingram is not back. You're kind of old on cornerback. But you don't know what's going to happen with Casey Hayward and, and Chris Harris Jr. Uh, so you, you, those picks are going to go, uh, I think, I'll be be spread out for throughout the whole roster.
2: And rookie rookie deals are cheaper too. Like it's not ju- it's not just that you want these guys developing; it's that it's they cost point. less against your cap. You know, and and Tom has alluded to this he said how important rookie deals are going to be this year with the cap dropping. The cap is dropping, but then also you have to factor in, okay, the cap isn't going to be where we expected it to down the line either. Because if it's, say it's at, you know, it's projected now at 180, 181 million, right, for this year. It's not all of a sudden just going to jump back up to like 220 where everyone expected it to be in 2022. Like it's now down and it's going to incrementally increase from there. So having rookie deals is essential. Like you want these young players because they can develop but they also cost a lot less and that's crucial like everything revolves around the cap in the nfl
0: and and that's the thing too development of the guys who are currently on rookie deals you know guys like Nas Adderley and and jerry tillery and trey pipkins when we talk about the offensive line maybe this staff sees something that they're like okay this guy is young enough we can develop him into the player we we think he can be. Um, and that's what I think is interesting about this staff is that, you know, they're going to look at this roster with, with fresh eyes. And yeah. it's something that we're going to probably see it unfold throughout the course of the offseason, going into the preseason and obviously September. Um, but that's what I, I, another thing I think we should all look out for is, okay, maybe there are some things that they see in certain players that maybe haven't played out on the field to this point
2: yeah, yeah. they also could be the opposite too but could they can also look. Yeah. they can look at some of these guys and be like this guy's this guy's not an nfl player and cut him like yeah. that could happen too no question
1: you know? yeah and it's, our it's, boys it's coming around what'd you say Gil? Especially with free agents, you always kind of have the connection with, oh, this Ram player or this Bronco player or this Bear player is going to come in and take a job from somebody currently on the Chargers. So I'm, I'm curious to see how that kind of pans out in the offseason.
0: And that's yeah. the thing, too, is like the, some some of these guys have great familiarity with what Staley does defensively or uh, offensively, too. I mean, you talk about some of these coaches who who worked closely with maybe some guys who are going to be to free agents. So um, that's something the that bears watching. Uh, final thoughts from today. Like, like I said, Stanley, he, he gives you great info, man. Forty-five minutes talking about this new coaching staff. Gil, we'll start with you.
1: I just, I just think it's you know just fresh ideas, something new, and it seems like it's very 2021 football, and and not just copying like we, like I've mentioned. It's uh, being ahead of the curve, and you always get that sense. Like like Popper mentioned, we've all, we're always kind of learning something when we talk to him. I know it's a it's a long period of time. You're supposed to learn something when you're talking that much, uh, but yeah, it he, he seems like he has good people skills, uh, a good leader. Uh, but again, to get to the football field, we don't know what's going to happen. But so far, these these first two interviews, with Brandon Staley and and the coaching hire he's he's made, I am impressed. I do like this staff. It's very diverse. He hired a good amount of minority coaches as well. Yeah. Uh, so Overall, for me, uh, he checks a lot of boxes.
2: Pop. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, just to piggyback off what Gil said, I, the one word that he the phrase that he kept that Brandon Staley kept using over and over again was "cutting edge," right? We want to be at the cutting edge in pro football. We want to be on the cutting edge of a lot of things, how we teach, how we lead. These are things that he said, like, that is what it takes. You have to be thinking three, four steps ahead of where previous of this previous Chargers coaching staff was thinking, like you have to want to be innovative. You want to come up with brand new ideas. You don't want to do what has worked in the past because that's not going to work in the future. And I think that philosophy is crucial. Now, how is that going to manifest itself? Is that's what I'm most fascinated with. Like, yeah. what is it going to look like on the field? What is it going to look like for game management decisions, right? They talked a lot about how they brought Darius Swinton in to be, you know, a guy on the sideline who's helping with game management stuff. How is that mechanism actually going to work? Now, Darius Swinton specifically isn't an analytics guy. He's more of like a football savvy game management type guy. But how much are they going to put, you know, factor in analytics to their decisions? Brandon Silly mentioned today that they're going to use it, but how much, you know, like the Ravens, for example, have a 25 year old, I guess he's 26 now, um, you know, Yale economics major who sits in the booth and (laughs) he's in Harbaugh's ear, right? (laughs) Right. Are they going to have a guy like that? Are they going to lean into it that much? Because that would be cutting edge. Like if you really want to be cutting edge, you can lean fully into analytics and make your decisions strictly off win probability models like that. That could happen. Now, are they willing to go that far That's what I'm sort of fascinated to see. But I think in terms of schematics, in terms of what they're going to do with their players, that is absolutely going to be on the cutting edge. And I'm really, really interested to see sort of how all the pieces fit together and what it specifically means schematically, both offensively and defensively moving forward.
0: Final thing, guys, what are you writing? What are you writing this week, Gil? Hey,
1: hey, you know, like like you mentioned, Chris, a long presser, so I got to transcribe a lot. And I usually, that's when I get kind of my little nuggets there. Uh, but I think maybe more on where players fit. Uh, I know we asked about Joy Bosa, uh, Kenneth Murray, and maybe Justin Herbert, and how everything's gonna look. We're gonna probably write about this the whole the entire offseason. You know, how's the scheme on defense and office gonna look? We're gonna try to figure it out. We're gonna guess. Me and Pop are gonna gonna compete. Who got it right? Who got it wrong? Uh, so <laughs> no
2: I, I think... competition.
1: No competition. <laughs> and, you, and you'll brag about it. I know it. Uh, but yeah, obviously. <laughs> For today, I'm just gonna go more of a you know the coaching staff and the hires and, and what to look for with these new guys uh, in charge.
2: Popper, what, All right. what are you writing this week? So I got, I have a ton of content up there. I, I had a, a, earlier this week, I published um, 41 prospective free agents that they could target. 27 of them are offensive linemen. It is literally, I think, every every single free agent they could potentially target. Like, I'm banking on all of their signings being on that list, and if they're not, I'm going to be very disappointed. Well, and like, we said, and like we said, that list is going to be growing, probably, for right, the next year. Right, game. right, right. Once, once the cap casualties start rolling in. But that's like the guys that are going to be unrestricted free agents, they're all in there, and I wrote about their, the fit with the team and everything, so go check that out. Um, just now, I published a uh, three- potential trade scenarios for Orlando Brown Jr. Put that together with our Ravens beat writer. Um, And that has, you know, why a certain trade package might work for the Chargers, why it might not, why it would work for the Ravens, why it might not. And that will give you an idea of sort of where the market is there. I know fans are really interested in that. I have a column up today, a little analysis piece on our mock draft that ran, Dane Brugler's mock draft. They took Elijah Vera Tucker. I talked about his fit with the team and sort of the overall philosophy of offensive linemen. I'm going to have analysis on the staff up later this week. Um, and then what, A uh, next week we're doing a mailbag and, oh, and I'm also going to dive into the film next week and look at, you know, where the Rams film from last year to see sort of where all of the chargers pieces might fit, um, with, uh, with this new scheme, sort of where Joey Bosa might fit, what, what, what maybe where he could relate to what player on the Rams defense last year, Kenneth Murray, Derwin James, all those guys. So. The off season is the season. Content machine. I'm a content (laughs) robot, baby. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) It never stops.
0: Listen, the Super Bowl Sunday, you think like, all right, take a breath, turn the page, never stops. It never, never stops, stops here baby. on Chargers Weekly. Our YouTube debut with my guys, Gilman Zano Daniel Popper. Thank you, guys. Be sure to download and subscribe to the Chargers Podcast Network. Now catch us on YouTube. Have a great week, and until next time, I'm Chris Haery.